Welcome to Young Americans, a weekly DIY depth psychology podcast where we explore differential diagnoses on reality narratives and creative ways we navigate the void. I am Jillian Masland. And I'm Brooke Macbeth. And we are on Instagram at jung underscore Americans. And I'd also like to shout out a couple of our artists. Susie May, who has done beautiful visual art for us is at suzy s-u-z-y underscore m-a-e and also at neon altar and at a love bazaar store is that correct i believe so the yeah. love bazaar store sadly is no longer in its brick and mortar right form they um were a casualty but they've become ethereal so they still exist in that realm yes on the astral plane of instagram yeah, you totally. can still find them there and recommend it and there is the beautifully talented joel st julian at j-o-e-l-s-t-j-u-l-i-e-n he's the musician who did our intro and outro music that we love so much mm-hmm. so it makes this feel like a real podcast i mean it really does so follow them look them up they're both so talented and we're just tremendously grateful Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were beyond generous with their time and their talents. Totally. It's really nice. Yeah. So, what are we going to talk about today? Bro? Today we're talking about Mr. Darcy. He's the our archetype. archetype of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to out myself immediately as a Jane Austen fan. I think she's so funny and uh, I really like her. I have experienced Pride and Prejudice in many different forms over the years. It is material I know very, very well. Would you um, say that you've been on both sides of the fence? Totally. I mean... In the pride totally. yard and in the prejudice yard? Yeah, I've been in both of those yards plenty of times. Um, I've you've been attended barbecues there. Both sides of the Mr. Darcy experience, or, you know, I think both is even too limiting. There are many sides of the Mr. Darcy experience, not all of them good. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit like a D&D dice Mr. Darcy experience. Yes, and I looked up what some of the alignments are of the P&P characters, so we'll get into that as we keep going. Um, Darcy, the alignments being a callback to our, our episode, previous episode. Um, or yeah. from a, maybe a couple of episodes back yeah, now. That it, uh, yeah, the D&D morality alignment grid. Um, Mr. Darcy is frequently listed as lawful good. Uh, he is a very rules-oriented man, but he's extremely rigid and arrogant when we first meet him. He's a dick. I mean, he's just really such a dick. But he's this, like, handsome rich guy. So he's really appealing to the pool of women that we meet when we first enter the world of this novel. Right, well, I mean, because if we're looking at the world of the novel, I would imagine that for a woman who's raised within that kind of Georgian England 
social setting that's the the object of their game right. is to find kind of the most eligible suitor. Well, the real mitigating factor for the Bennett sisters is that their father's estate is entailed from the female line. And Mr. and Mrs. Bennett have five children, and they're all daughters. So these women have to marry somebody who can take care of them. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to have anywhere to live or any way to survive. (laughs) So it's really a pressing concern. Well, but even in a more general sense, I mean, when you get out into those sort of candlelit, courtly little parties that they attend with their empire waist gowns, there's there's always like a fair amount of... um, of pecking in the hen house, you could say, to try and, you know, kind of make your way. It's a resource competition. It's definitely a resource um, scarcity. Yeah, totally. Type of a situation. Um, I should say that my slant on Mr. Darcy is is a little different because I'm not the world's greatest Jane Austen devotee. I, I don't hugely go in for the Jane Austen scene. I understand kind of what it's about and I can see some of the merits in it but to me Mr. Darcy really hits a nerve and the nerve for me is that I find him to be very similar to a lot of Aquarius that I've known in my life so I'm probably gonna take that slant on him a little bit and and sort of I don't know and this may be um a divisive opinion because I don't mean I don't by any stretch of the imagination mean to tar Aquarius with a brush of any type but I've known a lot in my life, and what I've experienced with them is this kind of um, cerebral and theoretical idea of, like you are saying, lawful good, and like lawful good, lawful best. Right. And so for me, I get a lot of um, interactions with the energy, I almost want to say it's more like an energy of an archetype than necessarily like specifically an individual mm-hmm. who is an Aquarius, like when I think of like kind of the pure essence of that sign not so much an empathetic figure is that what you're saying well it's not even not empathetic although i do think sometimes that's either um the way it can feel or um the way that it sort of plays out in the picture it's just that i i've often experienced an aquarius to be a sort of like i know best i can tell you best and if you aren't on board with my best, then you're just outright wrong. And like anything bad that oh. happens to you is your own fault. <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. I know that guy. <laughs> I know that woman. I yeah, know that non-binary totally. person. Totally. I've I've seen yeah. such a, a rich tapestry. It of, exists in so many forms. It surely does. Yeah. Um, so I think Jane Austen was more critical of Mr. Darcy maybe than. Uh, it seems on the surface, I mean, given the way the book ends, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Elizabeth Bennett Bennett ends up marrying him. And it's like a happy ending because he has this sort of like realization that he's been a real dick and he gets nicer. Would you be so kind as to just give us like a real quick elevator synopsis of Pride and Prejudice, just in case anyone maybe hasn't read it or they're a little rusty on it? Lizzie Bennett is our primary heroine. She is the second of the five Bennett daughters. Jane, the eldest, is the most beautiful and she's like the nicest. So she's sort of considered the greatest hope of their family to marry somebody really rich who can potentially take care of everybody. Um... Elizabeth Bennet is, you know, smart, uh, spirited, as they would call a woman in those days, because, you know, she would talk back, and she had to deal with a lot of bullshit being a woman in Georgian England. Um, And then we've got Mary Bennet, who is hyper-religious, big square, uh, and the two youngest, Kitty and Lydia, 
who encourage each other in sort of, you know, a little bit of silly recreation. And Lydia kind of turns out to be the bad seed of the Bennett sisters. So, or the tearaway, or the kind of black sheep. Yeah, kind of. well, it's funny not so much the black sheep, but like she does some bad girl shit for her time period. Also, um, it just was occurring to me as you were saying that, just as the sort of setup, it's not wildly different from Little Women and this idea that there's like this house full of different girls. Right. And I would say that in that case, Lizzie is very much like the Joe. For sure, the Joe. Of yeah. the family. The totally. one who's sort of, yeah. I think for most contemporary, like, you know, sort of younger women of our time yeah. would be reading it like maybe when you're late elementary, middle school, into high school, or seeing the movies around that age. Right. Kind of formatively the one that you might either really, really deeply associate with or yes. kind of, like, wish you were a little more like. Right. Because she, she's got that sort of aspirational, free-spirited, independent-minded. She might be the main reason you like Jane Austen, even. <laughs> yeah, I really like her. I'm a big for, fan. For them, too, like, they're, um, just to get, like put context on where they are in Georgian England, they're sort of, they're not poor but they're like at the poorer end of the richer people they hang around with right exactly uh they i mean it's a limited resource situation because what they have is never really their own it's mentioned over and over in the novel that the estate is going to disappear from them when their father dies um but you know they live in a big beautiful house it's and a little bit like Downton Abbey actually. and they have servants and it in, in, a little like Downton in Abbey down, like in the very 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 beginning of Downton Abbey they oh, have right, that yeah. same when problem she has where, to marry Matthew Crawley otherwise the estate will be entailed away yeah because yeah. like way even before you yeah. meet Matthew Crawley there's right. that sort of like yeah something the guy on the Titanic that's yeah. like a cousin yeah, or something yeah. where they basically are they're they they have to find a, and they were kind of stoked on that guy because he was not an unknown figure as Matthew Crawley is at the beginning of Downton right because it's it's just that same situation of the the linear like the lineage going only mm-hmm. to men and then like basically if none of the daughters can have it then it's going to be some somebody like a cousin or yeah. an uncle or somebody and hey, gets it if you're not hot enough to get a husband you're fucked and you fucked over your whole family <laughs> yeah in this in this particular yeah <laughs> situation so. Uh, the story begins with the gossip that Mrs. Bennett, the matriarch of the family, has just received that a handsome, eligible, rich gentleman is moving to town. He has just rented the estate that's near Longbourn, the Bennett family estate. She's, like, really pumped. She hot can't damn. wait to get her daughters, like, in the eyeline of this hot new rich guy who's She's in She's gotta town. get all their little, like, springy curls <laughs> get going. Get those ringlets yeah. going, mm-hmm. push those boobs up in the Empire Ways dress, the whole thing. Um... So yeah, she's really excited about this. Uh, The nature of her relationship with her own husband is kind of revealed in the way they communicate with each other about this thing. He's very teasing and disregarding with her. And she is presented as a really like ridiculous, pretty, unsympathetic character. She's just kind of, you know, not socially graceful. Um, Well, because that's kind of the impression I got. And it's been a long time since I've kind of seen or read any of this but she's she's sort of seen as like being just kind of a little bit like ungraciously ambitious for her daughters right like she kind of comes into these places and she's really almost like like a chris kardashian she like talks out loud in public about wanting to marry her daughters to rich men right yeah and then the dad i and this might just be like the most recent kira knightley one you kind of get the feeling that 
with all this stuff, he's not that fussed. And then she's kind of his favorite, Lizzie, because right. she's sort of like he finds her really charming and endearing. With their relationship her, yeah. is presented as very yeah. tender; that they get along really well and um, have more of a meeting of the minds and souls than he might have with his other daughters, and certainly with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah. So Moneybags moves into so, the big house. Yeah. Moneybags moves into the neighborhood. Mom's stoked. Mom's stoked. There's a dance. And Moneybags brings his friend, who it turns out is way richer than Moneybags, and that's Mr. Darcy. So Mrs. Bennett here is like, oh shit, this guy's even richer than the other guy. And she's like sort of really excited about it and trying to get Mr. Darcy to pay attention to, you know, any, any of her But daughters. probably in particular yeah. the, the kind of the pick of the litter at this point. Yeah, but the, the pick oldest. of the litter, Jane, has already caught the eye of Mr. Bingley, Darcy's friend, and it seems that they're destined for this beautifully, you know, like love, heart of a love match within, that's going to be real easy. Yeah. yeah, whatever love was for right. people in Georgian times. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this first dance. Jane and Mr. Bingley meet. They dance together all night. They're getting along really well. It's like all flirty eyes and whatnot. And Mrs. Bennet is introduced to Mr. Darcy at some point. Lizzie's standing next to her, looking all hot. She tries to get Mr. Darcy interested in Lizzie, and Mr. Darcy is just the biggest jerk, and he's totally dismissive. He walks away while Mrs. Bennet is talking, and after that, she just hates his guts. So she talks smack about him, and Lizzie's like, fuck that guy, he was such a jerk. And uh, that's, you know, how his character is established. Yeah, first impression on him. Right, exactly. In fact, that was an early working title of the novel, First Impressions. Oh, Mm -hmm. look at that. Some nerd knowledge on that. That makes me feel like a bosom kinship (laughs) with Jane Austen. (laughs) So, yeah, Mr. Darcy... um, is acting like such a jerk at this dance that Bingley approaches him and is like, what are you doing, dude? You're being such a pill. Just, like, loosen up and have a good time. And, hey, by the way, a lot of these women are really good looking. And Mr. Darcy is like, whatever, guy. Your taste is terrible. And he says about Elizabeth Bennet in particular, she's tolerable, I suppose, but not handsome enough to tempt me. And he's only a few feet away from her, so she overhears this. So, like... (laughs) she uh her reaction is to laugh at it which i always really loved about lizzie bennett that she was like you know what that guy's a dick and i'm gonna laugh about this and she goes over and tells her best friend charlotte lucas like hey this guy just said this thing about me can you believe this and they're like laughing about it and mr darcy kind of notices that they're talking about him um and this is i mean he couldn't be more insecure he could not be more insecure and this is definitely the moment in the novel or movie or whatever version of this you're consuming where you realize like oh my god this is probably the first woman he's ever encountered who showed any kind of disapproval of him and that is making him love her well yeah he's challenged (laughs) yeah by her and he um he doesn't know how to cope with that exactly and so in kind of classic man baby style he just doubles down on being an absolute shit to her for quite some time yeah yeah and she's not having it uh it becomes i mean so he's a jerk to her he's not nice to her really at any point and there's a period of time where they don't see each other and then they happen to meet up again a little bit later and he asks her to marry him. And he asks her to marry him in such a way that is so arrogant 
and assumes already that she's going to say yes. Yeah, like she couldn't possibly like say no. full of insults. He's totally negging her and being such a jerk. It's all, all it's all smack about her family. It's like all backhanded compliments, All backhanded compliments. Thing. I mean, it's not even, like, calling it a compliment would even be generous. It's like serious full-on neg. And he really does seem to think she's going to say yes. When she's basically like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. You did this ruinous thing to my life. You did this shitty thing to this person. You're a jerk. You're mean to me. I don't like the way you act. You're not a gentleman. Blah, blah, blah. Lays it all out in a way that he has clearly never heard. <laughs> well, and then he really did not anticipate it exactly. either. Yeah. So, you know, she surprises him with her refusal. And also, who the hell is she to be refusing anyone? He's got all this money. He could take care of her and her whole family forever. And, you know, she might not ever get another offer of marriage. It could just be plainly stupid of her to say no to anybody offering her marriage at this point. But she does. And then there's more, like, there's more parts of it, too, involving, like, he's got a little sister. He has a little that, sister. Like, is always, isn't she, like, always playing the harpsichord? She's really good at the harpsichord, and she's a good singer. Uh... Man, I mean, there's a lot of plot that we can get into. Because they're orphaned, the, too, right? Like, they they don't have any parents? It's well, just the two of them? Yeah, Darcy is significantly older than his younger sister, Georgiana Darcy. Uh, and their parents are no longer living, so he is like a father figure to his younger sister. Yeah, she's like his ward, essentially. Right, yeah, yeah basically. And um, she, like... Well, is okay, it, so well, we isn't find the thing out... That, that happens where, like... Getting a little deeper into the plot, there's the the rascally little Wickham. Bennett. Well, there's oh Wickham. the rascally yeah. Bennett. Yeah, there's a rascally yeah. little Bennett. So there's Wickham comes along, and people who've seen the movies may be familiar with because this happens also in Emma, where there's sort of a Wickham-ish dude who comes. Yeah. He's like in the um, Gwyneth Paltrow one. He's played he's by Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor yeah. yeah, and he. You know, like, they're kind of a flash-in-the-pan kind of guy. Like, they show up, and they're real fun, and you're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, fuck mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy. Like, we don't need Mr. Darcy. Totally, because, because you've got this new hottie in this, town, like, and yeah. he's, like, real chill and laid back, and, you know, he likes to dance, and he, and he wants to play and whist to, with your aunt, and, and like, he likes everything to, Yeah, cool. he likes to gossip, right. or you, like, trot along in the little yeah, horse cart, totally and fun he's, dude. like, yeah, he's not scumbag. a clergyman. Yeah, Ultra super scumbag. Yeah, they're bad news bears. real bad news bears. And so that's Wickham, like, he's a military man. Man, and he comes swanning in. I think there's like some like seductive ribbon work down at the milliner's shop that they get up to where he's there's like, there's a lot of like flirty, flirty eyeballs yeah. and yeah, there's a lot of that kind flirty, of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, lots of smiling and partner dance type stuff. Uh, to, oh, four handed piano, or yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's real hot under the collar where they stand up and they sing like a little lilting love tune about a willow tree or something. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Well, it hasn't gotten that deep with uh, Wickham yet, but Wickham has been introduced um, at this point in the story when Mr. Darcy proposes marriage to Lizzie Bennet. And in her big refusal to Mr. Darcy, she brings up the horrible injustices he's done to Mr. Wickham, which she's only heard from Mr. Wickham. Mr. Wickham showed up in town with this story of a horrible, horrible thing that Mr. Darcy did to him, which is cheating a, him out it's of a living actually, it's that a good he was mo- owed. It's a good point right now where yeah. we can bring up, if anyone's ever watched Bridget Jones's diary, mm. that's also based on Pride and Prejudice. Mark Darcy is based on Mr. Darcy and played by Colin Firth, just like in the 95 just BBC exactly version. exactly like in the 95 BBC, but that's sort of, if you've seen that, there's the, um, yeah. the Hugh Grant character, right. lovable yeah. fop. Hot cat or whatever. Yeah, Lovable fop. Um, 
<laughs> the floppy hair yeah. and like lots of mumbling. Yeah, and crinkly eyeball kind of deal. So many crinkles in his yeah. eyeballs. And, you know, so it's, a, it's, but it's like pretty much that exact same thing where yes. she's gotten kind of the wrong end of the stick because she had an unreliable narrator and that's yeah. all she's going yeah. off of where she's like, oh, Mr. Wickham. Plus said she already this. didn't like Mr. Darcy. Yeah, she so was any prepared to, to yeah. further dislike Mr. Darcy. She's happy so, to take like, the bait. Yeah, eager to believe this bad story that she'd heard from Wickham. And, okay, so she tells all this stuff to Darcy when he proposes marriage. She's like, fuck you for all these reasons, plus all this stuff you did to Wickham. By this point, Darcy has With separated... With bells on and the horse you rode yes, in on. <laughs> has separated Jane and Bingley and, like, murdered their burgeoning romance, and Jane is totally heartbroken, and it's like a whole thing. But doesn't he sort of tell, say to Bingley, like, Jane's not good enough oh, for yeah, you? Oh, yeah, he totally like, does. That's, yeah, he that's engages what... in a full campaign with Bingley about that's why Jane is yeah, good he enough. Kind of, and, yeah. and Bingley, if, if I recall correctly, in the more recent, he sort of, like... Yeah, a, like a lovable on. golden retriever of a yeah. man and oh, he's yeah. like but oh yeah, but I really I mean, liked her but so if you say so sure? I mean yeah. you're smarter than I am so, yeah. yeah he defers he's the beta <laughs> to Mr. Darcy he is oh well anyway uh, so Mr. Darcy writes Lizzie a letter he writes her this long long letter and there's a lot of description of this in the book which I really enjoy of how the letter and the way it's written and what he says in it um, changes her feelings for him and uh, is, like, what brings about her change of heart and mind toward Mr. Darcy. But he gives her the qualifying information that but she needs. But that's also, needs. you know, to me, that's, like, the archetype of, like, falling for the, the genius writer right. who's an yeah. asshole. He's where you're a like, dick, you but know, then like he the, shows you a flash of genius and you love him anyway. Yeah, no, it's that thing where you think about someone like... Uh, um, you know, J.D. Salinger springs to mind. Totally. You know, where you think of someone like that where, you know, 98% of the time, they're not really a nice guy. But then you're like, oh, but the way he wrote, it means he contains, or it's like Lou Reed, I remember, like, when I um, was an usher at St. Anne's Warehouse and he did, like, five nights of Berlin and he performed it live. And I remember one of the people ushering with me was, like, after watching it, it was just like, that guy is such a dick. But man, like yeah. what a beautiful soul! Like he Just clearly like that that has exists. that like beauty yeah. inside him, yeah. and that is such a dangerous trap that oh like God. is laid for yes. not. I've certainly not women alone, but it's like it's such a love trap. I fell for that love trap in my personal life. Always for sure. Every time I fall feeling for that like love trap. you have earned the approval of a person who doesn't approve of shit is like really a heady thing, especially for a person who's young and maybe not so secure yet. You know, well, but also to feel like you're being seen in a beautiful yeah. way by someone who has the vision to see totally. that beautifully, but yeah. then who's so stingy with it? Totally, so he's given it to you, and he doesn't give it to anyone. You got that precious. Approval. But he doesn't really give it to you more often than just that long enough right. to get you on the hook. Right. It only lasts long enough to get you on the hook, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of disingenuous of P&P to end the marriage, but whatever. Uh, one can hope that Mr. Darcy actually did have a, you know, fuller realization of his selfhood. Well, and there's also something, too, in the the time and the place and correct me if I'm wrong, but Jane Austen herself never married, right? No, she, died she at was, 37, never married. She was married. a spinster. Right. And Persuasion is said to be her most autobiographical novel in the sense that she uh, talks quite a bit about the feelings of a woman who did have a chance to marry someone, did not take it, and then felt feelings of regret over mm-hmm. it. Well, because I, I think too, like the Mr. Darcy, we're looking at him in, you know, through a contemporary lens, But I think that back then, the idea that there could be a man, no matter how much a dickhead, no Mm -hmm. matter how arrogant, that even had like an inkling of the um, capacity 
to meet a woman yes. as something as resembling, as resembling an equal yeah. even yeah. would have just been so intoxicating. But I think also I like we need to, you know, we need to read the, the sort of, <laughs> it's really a low bar. He did not have to like behave to a high bar. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, but we still, to this day, you know, yeah. people watch that movie, they watch Bridget Jones or oh, any yeah. of that. And people still think of that as some kind of a paradigm or oh some kind of yeah. like an ideal. Like, like, wow, like, what a man could be so yeah. lucky yeah. to have oh, a man God, like a man that. Oh my God, a man could exist who could be like good looking and rich and like respectful. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, still even with all, and then it's almost like he's got to like, cause his whole thing is he's like fronting. He's got to have this like veneer of dickishness yeah. to just like defend himself from all of these sort of friv- the frivolity of it all. Like, yeah. He's I mean, just he's so like on all. a level of aristocracy that he cannot even with like the rest of human problems. Well, but even like beyond <laughs> the aristocracy factor, which is huge because obviously he's living in a very privileged bubble. Mm-hmm. It goes without saying, but also that his sort of like consciousness experience of humanity and other people is like, he's so disappointed by how like vacuum, everyone is totally. around him that he's just like oh, oh you know as lizzie points out his propensity is to disapprove of everyone in the world i'm paraphrasing but you know that's his vibe he disapproves people mm-hmm. are not acting right anywhere he goes yeah, when he first like goes a- to the country dance he like sees people sort of like being you know silly and he disapproves of that and i feel like he yeah. he has many contemporary um, children in the form of, you know, sort of like, um, street cred <laughs> aficionados. And like, I just see him in those yeah, kinds totally. of, in that, in that like contemporary yeah. archetype of man who, I mean, honestly, I think where it comes from a lot of the time is that like the genesis of, it, and I speak for this as like this being, I think a part of my own makeup too. Mm. I think I have like an inner, Mrs. Darcy or Ms. Darcy. I think we probably both do where I think that where it, it comes from is like a lot of, um, spending a lot of time alone. Yes. I think is is probably, and I mean, with the kind of person he is, I would imagine he probably had a very lonely life. You know, he probably had to go to school when he was like a little baby boy and like sister is significantly younger. Yeah. So, and then also she's a little girl, so Mm -hmm. it's not like he has a brother. So he doesn't have that same kind of like, he did grow up with Wickham. Yeah. So he's, but then, but Wickham's like, he's his pet, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's like lovely and sweet, but he's like Beavis to his butthead. I don't know. I mean, he was the one who turned out to be like completely evil. So Mr. Darcy was not totally unjustified. Oh no, you're talking about Wickham. Sorry. Yes. I was thinking about the sweet one. Oh, the yeah, no. Bingham, Bingham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bingley. Poor Mr. Bingley. They all have such like, like... a sweet friend. They've all so got the English. most waspy-ass yeah. names. I, I can't keep them straight. <laughs> they all sound the same to me. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he grew up with Wickham. I'm sorry, yeah. And Wickham, in a way, was, like, in some... By some measure, like, up to his scratch. Like, he's a, he's a clever guy, but he does sort of, like, use it in a very sneaky way. Like he he's did a, the most bad shit he could for the circumstance he was in, which was really privileged for, like, this comes up a lot, uh, the station he was born into in life. He was, like, the son of... Was he, like, somebody's bastard? He was the son of the late Mr. Darcy's steward. So oh, right, So he was yeah. the child of a servant, but the same age as Mr. Darcy. Yes, yeah, so they did kind of grow up together. So they kind of grew up together, but it was... Uh, serious power disparity that um class disparity but yeah exactly and like it seemed like wickham took out his resentment of that uh by just you know fucking around quite a bit he did actually grow up with a lot of advantages but 
they weren't really his because he was not really born into that well, family and, and that really mattered. He and Darcy both have chips on their shoulders right. for sure. Like yeah. that's, that's an aspect of both of their characters. But you know, I do think though that Darcy probably was like a quite solitary youngster. Mm-hmm. And then you get into these sort of ways of thinking and these ways of like interpreting the world and the other people in it where you can start to, to kind of give yourself, it's, it's like the comic book guy, you know, like yeah. that, like that vibe of like, Oh, like I, you're all, you know, like I'm just superior <laughs> to you all because I have this like amazing intellect or I have, because I don't think Darcy. Well, Darcy even admits it yeah. later to Lizzie when they're uh, kind of like coming together at the end and starting to really speak to each other and understand each other. He talks about how he was raised with good principles, but left to himself to follow them. And he just ended up developing this really prideful way of adhering to the principles he was taught. So you know, he well, speaks to that, that that's solitude. The, the Aquarius thing, too, yeah. where I think Aquarius is fundamentally very principled, but then it's kind of, it lacks the bedside manner. Right, to yeah. It, like, like you need human practice with that stuff. You do, yeah. you do. And I, I think, like, to, to kind of bring it around to, like, the way we're all living now, I think there's that... Um, like in just the kind of like the constant calling out and the constant correction and oh, like yeah, everybody totally just culture. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like, I genuinely want to do everything I can do to listen properly and to like absorb and to synthesize mm-hmm. and to live in a way where I am not like actively living, like taking up more space than I need to, or like silencing anyone else right. or talking over anyone else. And I just think sometimes when it's delivered in this sort of Mr. Darcy way, right. where it's coming at you and you're like, oh, shit, wow, yeah. well, I, I don't even, like, I can't even begin, like, nothing I do is ever going to be well, right, yeah. you know, it's, and I don't mean at all in any way whatsoever to um, to deter anyone who's doing that, because I really, really want to hear what everyone's saying, I do, but I think sometimes when the delivery is, like, so... Admonishing. Um, admonishing, and, right. and, yeah, and sort of just, like constant like you just feel like you're constantly being chastised where you're just right. you, you don't get an opportunity to to hear I'm not asking for like my hand to be held and yeah. I'm not asking for the criticism to be like constructive to me all the time but I, I do think it's helpful when someone's like hey look you do this could you try doing this instead you know that would be a nicer it's, way to put a thing I like mean that. and yeah. that's how I that's how I try but like I I do think it's just hard because everybody also just has their own personality and their own dynamic and their own kind of energy and propulsion about it. But well, I think the thing with Mr. Darcy is that he comes in and he's so insecure that he's like, <laughs> he's expecting, like he wants to like trash everyone else before anyone has a chance to say or do oh, anything yeah. it's that could even remotely, sure. that could totally. even remotely yeah. touch That's him. his defense mechanism. That's his defense mechanism. But also probably no one has ever criticized this guy. He has probably lived a life where he's never had to hear anybody tell him he's wrong. Well, and that's why he's so fucking fragile. Totally. He can't even like, and like, how can you really be an ethical person if you can never like crumples be in the face of it? Yeah, yeah, and it's not like his little sweet baby ringlet harpis- harpsichord sister is gonna. She doesn't say, know anything yet. She's sixteen. She's not gonna say boo to a goose. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've got this dude. Nobody's ever told him he's wrong, and like, wow, those people are hard to deal with. They certainly are. Uh, we're and living it's hard to- in a time in the world when like people are having a very difficult time handling the idea they might be wrong about a thing. Uh, 
Yeah, well, but the thing, too, is that actually not to, like, let Ms. Bennett off the hook. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. She certainly, you know, is, like, pretty keen on how she feels about everything. She too. You know, is she's... very resolute in her early judgments of Darcy. So yeah. it's also her first impression poisoning their well, further she's, But she's also, like, she's a bit of, like, a Joe, too, from Little yeah. Women. And so she's got that aspect to her where with with you know within the fact that she's living in this world where people are constantly basically giving her the message like you should be so lucky that any man should marry you ever um which to a certain degree we still i think i still feel that message like you know and it's like what 2020 you know like oh my god like i should be so lucky you know uh, if anybody should deign to marry me and that's you know like however many you're 300 years later you know a lot of years i have been married and divorced and uh very unpleasant discovery I made was that certain members of my family did not value me um, as an unmarried person. I've heard that too, though, yeah. like from someone that I know who is married and has chosen not to have children and how there's like this constant sort of like undercurrent mm-hmm. where it's like, you're not quite as much a member of the family yeah. as yeah. like the other woman who married into yeah. the family and had a child. Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, there's absolutely, there's like gradations to that. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, but I mean, I do think that like when that's the message that you're given, which I honestly do still think is like is still a very like oh, yeah. prevalent cultural message. Well, it's um, literally hard to survive, actually, if it's, you're not married. It is literally if you're a mom. Uh, I mean, I would say we can both speak to that from <laughs> yeah. different angles, but like I can say certainly like many's the time that I have just like prayed to even be in like a mediocre relationship yeah. so I could split rent yeah totally like shit wouldn't that be nice it would like, like honestly I'm like I'm not even asking for like you know the moon I'm not asking yeah. for romance and stardust I'm asking for like <laughs> someone that we tolerate each other and we can split bills like because yeah. the world is not designed for single people no it's not especially not single women especially not single women especially not single women with children yes. like there's so much to it um but so you know you've got her there and that's kind of her world that she's grown up in but then her relationship with her father i think mm-hmm. does give her like a slightly different slant because i think she has like kind of a window into men she's tasted respect from a know? man yeah from a man and like it's wonderful. I mean, that's a wonderful gift for a father to give to a daughter, a respectful relationship. Where you feel like you're speaking to him. I mean, as a child, you're a child. Yeah. But then when you reach an age where you have your own opinions and you have your own yeah. voice in the conversation, mm-hmm. that it's like you feel that you're being listened to. Yeah, he treats you as an equal intellectually. And I mean, really, what a beautiful gift. But, so, like, but by the standards of her time, she's almost spoiled. I mean, that. she's you know, the she's only the... one of his five daughters that he's doing that to. He kind of doesn't say nice things about the rest of them. No, no, but but then, like, for her, though, to to have that be her lived experience mm-hmm. and then to be sort of, like, um, you know, kind of sh- shoved by her mom, all, like, trussed and primped out yeah. into Well, she's this recognized society. by her dad as the smart one, which mm-hmm. means that she's also recognized by her sort of broader community as the smart one. Uh, Which doesn't mean shit when you're living in Georgia and England. I mean, or, like, the only yeah. thing it does mean is that it makes you, if anything, a less viable prospect for marriage. <laughs> totally. Because they're like, no, no, like, so has, how's your needlepoint? Yeah. Have you maybe, like, had a French governess? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're not ever going to need to speak French, but just in case. Totally. 
And then can you stand by a harpsichord and can you lilt out? Are you agreeable? Can you lilt out a melancholy tune already? Because this is key. You got to be able to warble in front of a room of people that are like gently dozing. Perform on command and, you know, make sure your ringlets look good while it's happening. Sweet little ringletted kind of nightingale that, you know, they let you out of the box now and again. You take a spin, the candles flicker and... C'est la vie. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's not really a lifestyle that's suited to a person who is inclined to spend her time thinking. <laughs> not necessarily. No. So, you know, what we hope is that her union with Mr. Darcy ultimately and, you know, all of his resources and sophistication will nurture the sides of her that are curious and intellectually vigorous. Um, this is the part I cross my fingers about. Nobody will ever know. Yeah, because it ends a little bit like a fairy tale. It ends yeah, like on totally a bit ends of a, like a fairy tale. They like get married happily ever yeah, after. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, oh, I wonder, like, if anyone, probably somebody, has done some kind of like a fan fiction, like after yeah. they get married. I'm sure people have written those. There have been a few of them. But it also makes yeah. me think about Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. Because here's the thing about Anne of Green Gables. I don't know how how deep you got into oh, that. Oh, I loved Anne of Green Gables. Okay, but how far into the series did you get? <laughs> I didn't read that many of the books. I went through Anne of Avonlea, and I think that was it. Okay, because the thing with Anne of Green Gables is, like, and that, she has, like, a little bit of a Mr. Darcy thing going on mm-hmm. with um, Blythe. Gilbert? Gilbert, yeah. yes. Gilbert Blythe and carrots and breaking yeah, slates. and he I, teases her all the time. They got a little like bit so of a... so intimidated by and then they're very, brainy she is. But they're super competitive yeah, with each rivals. other. Oh, yeah. but then she also, like, twists her nose up at him and she's mm-hmm. all, like, oh, but I'd never. But then, you know, she's yeah. really upset when her bosom friend has a crush totally. on him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... When you read, like, deeper into the series and you get all the way into, like, her marrying Gilbert Blythe and Mm -hmm. then they have all these kids Mm -hmm. and then they're, like, living some other maritime Canadian, like, idyll, (laughs) the books get kind of shitty because then their kids are just like, oh, but are our mother and father too romantic? And are we all just playing pirates too much? Oh, my God! gross where you're like oh this isn't fun to read anymore there's no tension there's there's absolutely no suspense it's just like oh and they got married and like had children and everything was you know like yeah you didn't want the story to go that way i would rather have fantasized about their happy life together exactly i mean shit yeah (laughs) yeah i mean mr darcy though i mean i think we can get into a little bit more of um you know like where mr darcy becomes a problematic archetype for not I mean certainly not exclusive to women but for kind of anybody who's looking for love you know I think Mr. Darcy is a really tricky thing like to set up as an avatar for that I think it's dangerous to give people the expectation that they should be chipping away with a pickaxe at somebody's impenetrable dickishness Mm. to find like the golden part underneath because like even if you are successful in doing that and finding the gold underneath (laughs) Yeah, that shit does not stay gold. Uh, You end up, and maybe this doesn't always happen, uh, but I think often people end up just having to pick away at that forever. It's a Sisyphean kind of task to deal with an arrogant person. There's a clinging and there's a, um, I mean, certainly in my experience, there's that um, elasticity of time function where you're sort of, you're living on, you're living on scraps. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. They you talk about got... this in like narcissistic survival communities mm. about the crumbs, them feeding you crumbs. Yeah, the crap, the crumbs, the scraps, and it's like for me, it's this thing where you're kind of replaying in your mind this like that beautiful, was great. beautiful moment. Yeah. yeah like, and it, but the thing about it is that it so exceeds. Yeah other things I mean it's like a drug it's like right. an addiction where yes. you're sort of you're thinking about like you want that like first pure yeah. glorious rush yeah you remember how loved you felt in that moment well and that's that love like bombing weirdly too, tamed idiot. asshole yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Where you feel like the asshole became a unicorn and like laid his sudden, laid his head magical. in your lap, exactly. and you're like, yeah, like I mean, how can I ever go back to horses? I know you were a medieval tapestry for a minute. Like, I certainly was. Now you have a donkey. What's going on? Oh, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's reliable and he gets my shit down the canyon. Oh but God! If I'm only sure. a narcissist could be that good. Uh, <laughs> they will never take your shit yeah, down the canyon. Yeah, no, they won't. They're not reliable either. Uh, yeah, is Mr. Darcy a narcissist was a question I kept returning to um, when we discussed having this as a topic. What's your verdict on I that? I mean, maybe. It depends on how much he actually changed. Like, if I mm. believe in the fairy tale uh, that was presented, he really listened to her when she leveled those criticism, which were des- criticisms which were deserved. And he advocated for himself, but he also incorporated her feedback, valued her opinion, and decided that he was going to use that, you know, going forward in his life. Maybe he matured and was able to, like, change his perspective in a way that was more encompassing of other people's life experiences. Or maybe he just managed to, like, be nice to her long enough to get her to marry him, and he went right back to being a judgmental asshole. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, um, you know... Maybe the luster wears off. The luster often wears off uh, when somebody's really going after someone. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, like, a way of of wording that, too, where I think that, honestly, and it's going to sound so bad to say this, but I feel like that's, that's a fairy tale. Like, the fairy tale that someone can genuinely hear what you're saying. Yeah. And, and really digest it and really take it. And I don't want it to be, though. I and don't I, either, but... I, I like... Because I mean. the thing is, like, I... Like, that's really, like, my MO is, like, I'm, I really, 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 truly... When people give me a criticism, when people, like, tell me that I've done something that has upset them, yeah. I really take that on board and I really think about it and I, like, try to ask them and, like, figure out, like, how... Right. How I can be better with them and, and really don't want to to keep on like trampling on toes in the same way because once I've trampled it like I have this feeling where and I think we've talked about this a little bit about like the empath thing where it's like if I trample a toe I trample my own toe and I just don't know I just don't know if Mr. Darcy feels it like I still like I can think about like things that I've done that have upset people like my entire like at any point in my life I can have like a complete complete full sensory immersive <laughs> recall of like how it made somebody feel it's almost like when time I, travel it's like time travel it is because I go right back to that place and right back to that experience and I feel like the hurt that I caused someone else and that's why it like I have to be so careful like in interaction in general because I never ever want to feel that way because it's like tasting like someone else's pain and so it's like if Mr. Darcy is an empath, right? Then I have a lot of hope for them, right? But Mr. Darcy might not be an empath, right? He might just be one of those people who, a, 
has never thought about the way other people feel mm. in relation to what he's doing or anything. Well, because he certainly has a very high opinion of how he feels. Yes. No doubt. And or B, doesn't give a shit what anybody feels about anything because he's right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. End of story. And yeah. I'll be all. Uh, and you know, um, I don't want to get too much into like lived experiences here, but I have had a couple of significant relationships with people who were so narcissistic that they were not capable of like comprehending or admitting fault of any kind and that extended to even the most like stupid things like no that building is over there one mile to your right no it isn't no it isn't and that could turn into like a seven hour fight Mm. Uh, and I'm not talking about only romantic relationships. I've encountered this type of person. So, like, if Mr. Darcy is that guy, if he's that, like, devoted, narcissistic, like, always right guy, that's a terrible person to be around. It's just so tedious and unpleasant. Well, and to get back to my Aquarius thing, um, in, in, like, a similar vein, I've encountered this in people that either have that in their chart or just have, like, that really strong conviction Mm -hmm. that like it's not it's not even like they think they're being cruel to you they actually think they're being cruel to be kinder they think they're just giving you like yeah they're just correcting you they think they're just correcting you (laughs) in a way that like if you could take it properly and understand where it's coming from from them that like you should be very grateful that they have and I've told you a couple of times like there's this one instance in particular um somebody that I kind of had to to take a couple steps back from mm-hmm. who um at one point I was just like oh man I'm just so alone I'm so struggling and this person's reply to me was well have you considered the fact that there are some men of color that you could possibly date what <laughs> well, I mean like I don't even get that as advice but like what <laughs> well because I think it like it's born out of such presumption yeah. that, like, I don't even know where to begin Just, to, like, I mean, realign what this, like, because like, that, that tells you so much about what this person totally. thinks about you, which is, like, the Mr. Darcy thing yeah. is, like, this person has made an assumption about you. Yeah. Having made this assumption, they have graciously offered you <laughs> some of their wisdom. And they're mad you, at you when you're like, oh, uh, your assumption is incorrect, so... <laughs> And they're like, no, 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 but you see, I see you a little better than you see yourself. Let me explain you to yourself. Well, that's the, that's the Aquarius <laughs> yeah. thing. They're like, here, you poor I'll thing. do you a gracious favor. Let me descend from my mountain. You poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> you sad, lost soul. Bless your heart. This is the same person, too, who I should just straight out say also <laughs> said to me, um, they... they they slipped me the number of a of a mental health hotline. Oh my god! Oh my with, god! <laughs> with a helpful and encouraging, friendly advice for when you get tired of crying and drinking. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, can you imagine if that were your doctor? Holy shit. I hope you're listening. Kick rocks if you are. (laughs) 
I'm sure this person isn't listening, but oh like, god. oh my gosh. Oh my god, what a dick move. Wow. But like, yeah, those were these things. And like, I like to think that I'm like super receptive and I really like to hear no, what people like, have to say, but there's a you're certain... You're like a nice and really generous listening person. <laughs> but there's like a bridge that I get to and when yeah. that's on the other side of the bridge, I'm like, maybe not this bridge. Yeah, totally. Wow, maybe nothing you say is worth anything and I'll never talk to you again. Bye. Maybe I'll just like climb down into the cool river and put my beer in the river and cry a little while Fine I drink my, my, my bog river. of sadness. I'm just going to hang out here alone. <laughs> the river keeps your beer really cold totally. and your tears are warm. The beer is cold and you know, your fear in the water. Everything's different all the time. And you know. Yeah, but I mean, that's sort of like, that's what that, that like Mr. Darcy energy to yeah. me though is, is this... <laughs> Big Darcy energy. <laughs> yeah, BD energy. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, there was a guy I knew in college who was a, an Aquarius who, like, it was a kind of very Mr. Darcy thing where after a long, long time, no, no, without any warning, sent me, like, an email. Again, like, the letters oh, in, the, yeah, in the book. Yeah. And I don't get too far into it, but, like, sends me this email, like, uh. expressing you know, interest in me after just doing nothing but being a dick to me. Like I would like do nice things for him. Like once I went out of town and I was like, Hey, I know your roommate's girlfriend is, you know, going to be there. Why don't you have the key and sleep in my room? I don't mind. Like I'm going to be out of town. Whatever. Like, I mean, I'm not going to use the bed. I don't care. Yeah. And I got back and I like had to go find him somewhere. I don't know where he was. He wasn't like anywhere. I couldn't get in my room because I didn't have the key. And then when I got to the place where the guy was, he was like sitting in some science room, like studying. And he just took the key and like flung it down the table and it like skittered down the table and fell off. And I was like, okay, you're welcome, I guess. I'm going to go back to my room. Oh my God. But like, that's so Mr. Darcy though. Yeah, that is so Mr. Darcy. It's so Mr. Darcy. And it's like just this, this idea that like he is kind of like held up to be one of these like absolute like goal men it's oh, like no. I find it so problematic and we talked about like in the um you know probably more about these books than I do because I never read the books but like the mm. Twilight books he has like a very Mr. Darcy oh my god kind of vibe when he rocks up there and he's like no 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 I'm tormented I'm just gonna brood over here hang on <laughs> it's but like a lot I'm gonna that. like crush a car and okay, like, I'm push just you telling away. you yeah, people under, I did know. read the Twilight books but I had just had a baby so I was literally like nursing and reading these books and you know Hormones women and- are <laughs> real susceptible to that kind of shit during hormonal times uh, but yeah, that guy like it's but it's, it's it, oh again, my god again, he was time, stalking her he was like watching her while she slept and doing all this horrible creepy shit and, like, and that's studying like, her I feel like Mr. Darcy like, like meddles yeah, in like, her life in all these ways he totally meddled in her life he really ended up interfering when the whole like Lydia Wickham thing went down which we didn't get into but he right, did but all this a, shit yeah. behind her back that was you know quote unquote helpful but also like creepy without as cons- fuck without it's consulting not, her yeah, in totally. any way and also he has like formed opinions on her character and like how worthy she is of his love by observing her, not by interacting with her so much. Mm, And that's critical. And I think that especially in our time of like a Tinder and a social media, I think there's a lot of that going around. There's plenty of people feeling quite confident that they've got the measure of people based on like, you know, like you've seen that, um, You've seen that Black Mirror, right? The one where the guy, they, the Black Mirror where the guy is, is he dies and then he's reconstructed oh God, based on. I hated entire- that one. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. But, but for this very reason, though, because yeah. you can really see yeah. how that would be. Like, like if someone yeah. just looked at your oh, social God. media or my, oh my social God. media yeah. or like any, you know, profile we've I've ever had, had on a, a Tinder of, or like, any of that. It's gossip like, jobs happened to me in my life and it's real easy to reduce a person to a caricature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really easy. 
Yeah, and it's really easy to believe that you are perceptive when you're looking at someone and all you're doing is projecting. Totally! Physician, know thyself. For real. I mean... (laughs) It's tricky, too, though, because I think that, like, Mr. Darcy is kind of, like, a really great example of what... I mean, I don't know if it's properly attributed, but there's that quote I think is often attributed to Toni Morrison where they Mm -hmm. say, like, when someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time. Oh, yeah, totally. It's tricky, though, because Mr. Darcy, with the whole first impression thing, if you believe him the first time... He's a dick. He's a dick. Yeah. And then also, people do sometimes... It's not like your mouth says no, but your eyes say yes, necessarily. But people will say things to, like, deflect and put you off the trail of what they really mean, too. Uh, I have been mean to people um, on a number of occasions when all I really wanted was to be alone. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's not, like, a super functional adaptation that I have, but I recognize that I have it. Yeah, and I've sometimes said things to, like scuttle out right of situations yeah. because they make me uncomfortable right, totally. because I'm yeah. like avoiding I'm suddenly... anxiety is like a big well uh, yeah we're also <laughs> also like you know and this is sort of where you let Mr. Darcy off the hook where you're like oh but he doesn't understand his feelings he might like, actually be a socially anxious like fucking misfit oh he's definitely socially yeah. anxious misfit I'm definitely gonna give him that yeah but I do think you know he um he's got some other things going on that I'm not on board with. But right. I, but like, I, I think for me, like, I know that I, when I, like, am given, like, a sort of overwhelming jolt of feeling, it's terrifying mm. because it opens you up in this way that is, like, standing on... A, it's really, like, standing on a cliff. And oh, like, like Paul Duvide? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that, that, because you can just get so lost in oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. And I think Mr. Darcy certainly, um, among other things, is terrified of losing control. He does seem terrified of losing control, and I think that's why he's so, uh, like, microscopically rules and manners oriented. Um, but he does seem like he's a little in touch with the abyss. You know? Well, and that's kind of what my wish is for them. Yeah. My wish is for him to be able to kind of traverse that yeah. and actually access the yeah. abyss. Like, that's the, the promise. It's sort of like the Heathcliff right, aspect exactly. of Mr. Darcy, which, I mean, these are all these sort of oh brooding... Oh, my God, like, yeah, totally. I mean, like, that's, I, that's another episode, yeah. though, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not a Heathcliff Kathy shipper. I just, when I read Wuthering Heights, I was like, oh, my God, I can't. This is horrifying. And I was 19, so I should have been susceptible. <laughs> yeah, I read, that, I read that in high school. Yeah. That's a, 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 a... Yeah, that's dark and twisted. Yeah, you can totally yeah. get in on that. Yeah, it's not my vibe. That relationship was too abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then she had, I mean, one of those, like mysterious wasting vapor diseases yeah probably, probably totally. anorexia yeah. as it seems i mean but, you, know. you know or maybe it's another allegory for drug addiction i always like those in my victorian lit yes and everyone knows every possible thing you could get over the counter back then was opium dude there was so much stuff so much opium. I mean, you could just be like chugging bottles of laudanum all goddamn day all day long <laughs> and people would like keep giving you more because they were like this is so good oh for this her. poor lady like, she's so hysterical yeah her uterus she just needs gets more drugs. her uterus is going walkabout we <laughs> totally. gotta get her some laudanum <laughs> get that uterus back she needs laudanum settle that uterus down is this the end of the oh episode oh my god I think. speaking of laudanum i have one more thing <laughs> okay, to say sure. uh okay 
I feel like we're close. When I was watching Deadwood, uh, I was married at the time, and one of the meanest things I thought my ex-husband ever said was the time that he said that Timothy Oliphant in Deadwood looked like Ned Flanders. Aww. <laughs> and then later I saw the um, Stupid Sexy Flanders episode again, and I was like, no, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, since you said Deadwood, did you ever watch that documentary about um, J.T. Leroy? No, I didn't. And I like think, I that think, was happening in San Francisco when I was living up there. I think, so like, I think it's on Amazon. Oh, I'm gonna watch that. You should totally yeah, watch totally. it. I read um, one of those books. I think it was the hardest whatever above all things. The hardest. So I read both yeah. of them. I read Sarah and I read the hardest deceitful yeah, among yeah. all things because yeah. I was probably like I was like 17 mm-hmm. when those books were coming out. And it was, like, my absolute, like, explosive wet dream of, like, I was, like, this is, like, my own private Idaho. Totally. And Kurt Cobain. I mean, it felt and, so like, fucking every real. It fucking felt so real. Everything I've ever, <laughs> like, been drawn to ever in my life. Just, like, mm-hmm. sad. Distilled in those novels that were, like, so perfectly, like, They're California of the time. Beautifully, and, like, well, I think because they take place in, um, like, West Virginia. He but got that vibe, though. There was so, this, like dirt like vibe that was in it's San very, Francisco it's that was hard to very like Gus Van Zandt and yeah. um but it, the, there's an art there's a, a documentary about that entire hoax I'm still on, calling him he and it wasn't are they he, well, but was even a, yeah. it was even like yeah. I mean well we know the the truth of the matter but honestly even JT Leroy the character mm-hmm. the the figure was like ven- i would say like fluid, right? i would say like yeah like yeah. at the vanguard of yeah, gender fluidity is it was before being, there was really even terminology for yeah before fluidity. it was really being even like kind of cracked into in like a real way in the public consciousness yeah. for sure and um but there's a deadwood connection there so i don't i don't want to spoil it for you but, um <laughs> i think i think we might have an episode i think that might be in the I can think that might be in the can Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you very Um, much if you did join us. Email us if you want to buy stickers or if you want to, like, complain or, you know, profess your undying love or tell us we were totally wrong about Wickham. Uh, If you want to call us narcissists. Oh, yeah. um, If you want to tell us what's wrong with us. Totally. We'll cry for days. Yeah, no, no. We'll take it on and then we'll change and we'll have a totally different podcast. Yeah, we'll be exactly what you tell us to be as Mm -hmm. long as you email us. Yeah, if you email us, that's what's going to happen. Well, no. Maybe if you subscribe to our Patreon, we will. Which, by the way, we have. We have a Patreon. Uh, We do. I think it's just patreon.com slash young underscore Americans. And I hope that's correct, but I keep checking. I believe so. And yeah, if you um, subscribe above the $50 a month tier, I'll be your AI bot for like uh, 24 hours. That seems like a pretty fucking fair trade. I, I was so. just looking at my phone and uh, we got some nice feedback about our podcast. So Aww. thank you, Benjamin, for that nice feedback. I just saw it and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Benjamin. Uh, we are J-U-N-G Americans Pod at gmail.com. And, and the stickers, um, they say Young Americans do it in the void. And they're fucking awesome. Designed by Susie May at S-U-Z-Y underscore M-A-E. You can put them on your Trapper Keeper. Put them on your Trapper Keeper. You can put them or your caboodle. Your, underneath <laughs> Whatever, your skateboard. Yeah. Um, you can put them anywhere, really. You put them on your Hydro Flask. And I'm going to put one on my laptop. It's going to be the only sticker on my new laptop. Yeah, I think I'm going to put mine on a water bottle. Yeah. Um, and those are priced at $5 for one, three for ten, five for 20 You can really... Um, you know, just sticker every damn thing at that point. And there's going to be, I think we haven't figured out shipping and handling, but there'll be some, maybe a couple of dollars shipping and handling, but be very glad to hear from you. 
however you so choose. We're also on Instagram at young underscore Americans. Very available there. Yeah. Until next time. Write to us. We'll write you back. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.